In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Robert Clapper is the head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai Medical Center. It's Saturday morning, and it's time for Dr. Clapper. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> this is the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Yes, Doc. I love your show. Thank you. Um, now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai for 31 years. What a day I had yesterday. Six big cases, four big cases on Wednesday, and I began the week doing the largest shoulder rotator cuff tear that I've ever fixed arthroscopically. That'll be the clapper vision a little bit later. And it will involve pitching a tent and those stakes that you put into the dirt to hold the tent up. Imagine they were umbrellas that you can open up in the dirt, in the ground. So exciting, the new technology we have that allows you to do these surgeries through a tiny little puncture wound. This is not what led to today's topic, game-changing ideas, but I used a game-changing idea in surgery this week because the whole concept of the world being different due to an idea is why I'm so excited because my guests at 8.15, two of them, Courtney Kincaid and Lance Varon. It involves the sport that if you listen to this show, you know that I love the most, surfing. Each week I get myself ready to get the greatest gift I can give myself for working so hard. And that's on Sundays to get into the ocean. I see about 100 patients a week. I do over 500 surgeries a year for 31 years, but the inner peace that I get to be able to work so hard and treat so many patients is because of this time I spend in the ocean. But the Pacific Ocean is freezing cold, but I'm able to enjoy riding the wild surf because of the game-changing invention called a wetsuit. Today, my guests are from a wetsuit company called Excel, made in Hawaii. And last Sunday, I wore one of their wetsuits, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. You see, for 35 years, I've worn another company's wetsuit, and this was my first time wearing a different brand. What makes this company so special is it's a green company, Typically, the rubber to make a wetsuit called neoprene is made from petrochemicals, better known as oil. But their rubber product for the neoprene is made from limestone and bamboo. Can you imagine? It's awesome. And it made me think all week. You know how much I love the world of art and the world of sports and certainly the world of surgery. It made me think all week. Where do we see 
these game-changing ideas in these areas? Well, we definitely want to go back to the beginning, and you're going to hear sound bites from Jack O'Neill, certainly the first surfer to come up with the idea of wearing a wetsuit. The two brothers down here, the Maestro brothers, yes, they were there in the beginning as well. But I have a great bunch of sound bites from Jack O'Neill talking about the freezing cold Pacific Ocean in the 1930s when he first started body surfing. He lived to be 94 years old, Jack O'Neill. But wait till you listen to the story that the game-changing ideas, they don't come necessarily from someone who sets out in the beginning to change the world. It's just someone like you and me who decides there's got to be a better way. And in the world of music, the world of art, wait till you hear the sound bites that I've got from someone named Jerry Harvey. Oh my God. The sound of music that we hear at concerts, big concerts, can actually, those big speakers, make those musicians on stage, particularly the drummers, turn deaf. In a minute, you're going to hear from Ringo Starr of the Beatles talking about how in 1965 at Shea Stadium, he could not hear the other members of the Beatles because of the crowd noise and the noise coming out of those speakers. He just had to go by body language. Every time Paul McCartney moved to the left, he knew that was the correct part of the song for him to hit the snare drum or whatever. He did it by body language because he couldn't hear. Well, Jerry Harvey is the guy responsible for the modern day bands having those earbuds in their ears so they can hear their music and block out the ambient noise. It's a fascinating story that starts with a Pontiac Trans Am. Wait till you hear this story. And the Clappervision will get into this idea of fixing your rotator cuff in your shoulder without having to open up the whole shoulder joint is fascinating. You know what? Let's get right into it. Rebecca, let's play Sammy Hagar and the song Trans Am. And you can imagine this song on stage. But let's go back to 1980. Bush Stadium in St. Louis is where Sammy Hagar is singing live this song. Because that's where the beginning of this story goes. Of a game-changing idea in music. Rebecca, let's go. In the man, well, let's first start with the problem itself. Let's go to the Beatles on tour. Number one. At New York's Shea Stadium in August of 1965, they played before 56,000 fans. When you started playing stadiums, arenas, did you plan for that in any way? No, not really. I don't think we planned for anything, you know. We just went on with what we had. They had only two roadies, one of them, Mal Evans. All our equipment had to be big enough so Mal could carry it. The noise was, was constant. Yeah. It, it never abates. No. 
You can't hear a thing. That's what it was like in 1965. Let's continue with Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr talking about the problem that I want to address as a game-changing idea. Number two. I mean, at first, that screaming was great because it meant we were a success. It was just like, she loved it. was like, hey, whoa. And after a while, it was like, I can't hear you. Wait a minute, you know. But it had become part of it. Yeah. It was like, that's what happens when we go on stage, this is what happens. Yeah. And but, we did diminish a little as musicians, though it sounds good. So that's Ringo Starr, the drummer. We're going to get, we're going to get into Alex Van Halen in a second, particularly hearing all that noise and trying to keep up with the song. Let's go to Ringo Starr talking about that noise with Paul McCartney, 1965 at Chase Stadium. Let's go to number three. But why does it sound good? How could it sound that good when you couldn't hear yourselves? We played our best no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't hear them. You couldn't hear them. I was playing, you know, to his foot tapping, to John's bouncing, you know, and when they went, I couldn't hear that. (laughs) I just saw the head. (laughs) Oh, it's the... You knew it was time for... I knew. (laughs) (laughs) Sing the song, go, boys, swing now! Oh, my God. And the thing is, though, because we put in so many hours as kids, Mm. we instinctively knew what to do as a band. Just like the wetsuit changed the world so that people like me could get into the ocean all year round. A game changer in sports, the wetsuit. And we'll get into the game-changing ideas in surgery. But who is it that changed the game in the world of music so that the musician could actually hear despite the speakers and the noise of the crowd? His name is Jerry Harvey. And let's get right into it. Let's go to Jerry Harvey, number one. Yeah, when I was a kid, uh, I met a guy named Roger Moore, and he had a little local band. I was uh, teaching karate to him, right, as a little as a side thing so I could have my free lessons. But anyway, he, uh, he had this band and I wanted to get into the, to the bar. I was underage. So I thought if I could move gear in that I could get into the bar without having to have an ID. So that's kind of how it started. Um, and then I learned, you know, I learned to mix kind of by trial and error. I was really bad for the first few years and people were not shy to tell me that. Now listen to the most incredible part of this story. You got to be ready. Today, you could get into your car and the most special thing could happen to you. Because that's what happened in 1980 to Jerry Harvey. He's a teenager, 19-year-old kid riding around in his Trans Am and listen to what happens. Number two. I was driving down the road. I was uh, had a red Trans Am. I was like 1980, right? And uh I get pulled over, and this guy was a promoter rep for Contemporary Productions. He says, hey, Sammy Hagar's playing uh, Bush Stadium on Saturday, and we need to drive him to drive your car out onto stage because he's got a song called Trans Am, right? So I was like, all right, whatever. You know, I want to get into the show, so I'll go down. Sounds so, good. <laughs> yeah, so he showed me his card, so I was like, yeah, I'll show up. So I showed up. They, they let me in. and His life is about to change. Let's go to number three. They go, well, we're going to introduce you to Sammy Hagar. I was like, all right, great, you know. And uh, so I walk up, and uh, 
I go, hi, I'm Jerry. He goes, hi, I'm Sammy. And uh, basically kind of dismissed me a little bit. Hey, thanks for letting me use your car and I'll get out of here, kid. You know, so uh, so he drives it out on the stage and it kind of became like a little bit of an urban legend in St. Louis. Right. But um, so that was kind of my first introduction. And I was I saw the big rock show and I saw, you know, I was realized that if I got really good at mixing, maybe I could get to that level someday. So. And he's now starting to fall in love and sees clearly what he wants to do with his life. Let's go to number four. Fast forward to like 1984. I'm sitting in, and uh, kind of got discouraged. Uh, I'll keep this short if I can. And um, I was going to just start doing a normal day gig because the bands weren't paying any money. I was starving to death. And I went and saw the Van Halen 1984 show. They, they played two nights. So at the end of the show, I was just blown away. I was like, I think I want to do sound engineering again. And uh, so I'm sitting at this little bar called bar- Bogart's on the Landing on the Riverfront. And I look to my left, and David Lee Ross sits down right next to me, right? And I was like, wow, you know, so we sit down, and... Uh, and now number five. I start talking to him about how, you know, martial arts and stretching. I never even said a word to him about, about rock and roll, even you though I wanted to go... Yeah, I knew who he was, absolutely. <laughs> I just saw him on stage. I actually wanted to ask him for a job, but I didn't, right? But So 18 months later, I'm actually working for him because I met a gentleman that was a drum tech... Uh, for him, and uh, he was with the Beach Boys, and when Dave left Van Halen, uh, he introduced me to the Dave camp, and I ended up 18 months later working for Dave, so it's kind of a weird a weird thing, right? So this is like eight, 1986 or so. And now he gets a job, listen to this, for Van Halen, number six. And then in 95, I start working for Van Halen, right? So I'm working for Dave, I'm working for Van Halen, neither know that I'm working for the other because I didn't want to get fired, so... You know, so that's kind of how it kind of just intertwined. And then in 95, when I was working for Van Halen, we decided to put Alex on in-ears, and that's kind of how Ultimate Ears started. And just like Ringo Starr, who couldn't hear the band, listen to how this Jerry Harvey gets picked to become an inventor by Alex Van Halen, the drummer for Van Halen. Let's go to number seven. Basically, so, the, so I hear the story is that so Alex and Eddie came to you and said, we're basically going deaf. What do we do, right? Yeah, well, it was what happened. Right? It was, well, Alex was was going deaf because he had Eddie's guitar cabinet blaring behind him. He had these two big PA systems uh, behind him. So he's had, you know, he was just getting killed with uh, volume. And it sounded really bad out front because all this stuff is going through the drum mics. And number eight? Uh, they wanted to, to save the rest of Alex's hearing. So we decided to try to put him on in-ear monitors. Well... It didn't go so well because he's, you know, even though he had had some, you know, he'd been around loud music, the guy's got an amazing ear and he can hear tonality and everything else. So as soon as there was two companies back then that that in the uh, beginning had started putting basically either a balanced armature uh, in a silicone mold or a, basically a Sony diaphragm in a mold and called them, you know, in-ear monitors. And number nine. So we, we get him a set of each. And he listens to the first set, plays about four four beats, takes them out, throws them down, puts the second set in, plays about four beats, and goes, these things sound horrible. He goes, you know, I suggest we find something better. And I said, well, they don't make anything better. And he goes, well, maybe you should figure out how to make something better. Then he gets up and walks off his drum kit. So, And next? That's kind of how I started down the path. I never <laughs> It all comes back wanted, to Van Halen. Yeah, I didn't want to build anything. I never thought about it, but it was just I was kind of instructed – you know, to do it, and I wanted to keep my gig, so you know, I decided I was going to build something that sounded better. 
And number 11. I realized, you know, by starting to experiment with uh, the components that one component couldn't do the complete frequency response from lows to high. You could have, with the balanced armature, it was kind of a hearing aid driver, basically a hot-rodded hearing aid speaker. <laughs> you could get uh, you could get good lows, not lows, but low mids, mids, and highs, but no real sub-bass. And then with uh, the diaphragm speaker that's in a Sony bud, you get nice lows, but you couldn't get any top-end extension. So, And 12? I realized that, you know, looking up at the PA system, it wasn't rocket science. I was like, well, you know, we've been putting multiple, you know, low mids and highs with crossovers in big, big speakers. Why can't we do it in a miniature earphone? So... I started just researching and trying to find miniature components and uh, landed a gentleman named Rick Zanardo at a company called Knowles, became my liaison, and uh, he was sending me samples. I would put them on the analyzer with, it was modeling clay and an analyzer mic and, you know, shoot pink noise through it and see what the frequency response was. And an engineer wouldn't do this because they know it can't be done. You actually need to not be the engineer because then... You don't have your own knowledge blocking you from changing the world. Number 13. So I found a driver that was suitable for mids and highs, but I couldn't find a driver that had the capacity for live performance for low-frequency uh, uh, reproduction. So I get a call from Rick. He goes, hey, I, I found this thing in the armature, uh, armature cemetery. He goes, it's a pacemaker. Uh, and finally, number 14. Speaker, he goes. What it's for is if uh, if someone has a pacemaker, it has to emit a 140 dB tone or 130 dB tone through their chest to let them know that they're going to get a zap, so they might want to sit down, right? So I was like, cool, send it to me. So I shoot pink noise through it, you know, and all of a sudden I'm like, wow, this thing's a perfect bass driver, right? So then I made a little crossover and popped him into Alex's ears. He smiled, and I was like, wow, you know. So that's kind of how that just, you know, it was just trial and error, and you know, a lucky call from Rick and. And that's kind of how it all came together. And that was the first UE5, the uh, first two-way in-air monitor. Don't you love how self-deprecating, how humble Jerry Harvey is? Because he's not an engineer. He didn't set out in life to do this. But he did it. And same thing for Jack O'Neill. Inventing the wetsuit because he was cold in the ocean. He's not an engineer. But wait till you hear him talk about his aw shucks. I was just lucky, just like Jerry Harvey, just like the people who change the world. They don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to change the world, but they do. And that means each of us can do it as well. I'll tell you my story, as well as you need to hear from the great Jack O'Neill talking about how he started the whole idea of surfing in the wintertime because he invented something called a wetsuit. We'll hear more of that coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. The secret sauce. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I will jump through the radio to come into your house and help you right now. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Van Halen singing Jump. We're talking about Van Halen because they're the reason 
The ears are protected in all those musicians in those giant concerts. Ringo Starr of the Beatles didn't have that benefit. It changed the world of music, and Jerry Harvey was the inventor. Talk about success with an idea. This radio show, I haven't even given the numbers out yet, and all the lines are lit up, so hang on the line. I will take care of you, Weekend Warriors, but I do want you to hear a little more about the game changer in the world of sports. Jerry Harvey did it for music. I did it in surgery with the patents that I have on the tools I've invented, which I'll explain coming up in a little bit. But let's hear the man who's credited with bringing the wetsuit to the freezing cold waters of the Pacific, the surfer himself, Jack O'Neill. Let's go to Jack O'Neill, number one. I got started surfing. God, this was in the 30s. And I just got a, a ride on a body surfing, just a straight in ride. And I can still see that that ride. And it's the idea stuck with me. And when I've gotten away from the beach, it's always thinking about about the surf. And how did he do it, number two? We tried everything. Uh, we were sitting on a board with a wool sweater. If you get the sweater wet, then you got all that cooling by evaporation. I used to go around to, uh, <clears throat> there were a lot of uh, surplus stores in those days. And I'd go to see what the military, Navy, SEAL team and stuff. He wanted to know what the military did, number three. And I um, I got some of their, their suits and what they had, you put long underwear on, then you put uh, rubber over the top of that. This is just a sheet rubber, like an inner tube rubber. And you put it together here in the back or some way. It was great as long as it lasted. It was good for going in and out. You know, you go under the surf and stuff. But to go out there and surf in it, it always come apart. And when that would come apart, it'd get filled with water. You know, it's not like he was an engineer from MIT or Caltech. He's just a surfer, Jack O'Neill. But he did take some physics in high school, number four. I had taken physics, and I knew what the K-factor, and the, how they refrigeration, um, keeping it warm and cold. And I started out making a, a vest. That worked okay, but it was kind of like a straight jacket because the foam did not have enough tensile strength. So I put some sheet plastic over the top. It had to be close-fitting because you had insulation through the material, but if you get too much water in and out, you'd lose your warmth value. Everyone discouraged him. You're not an engineer. You don't know what you're doing. This will never work. God bless Jack O'Neill for persisting in changing the world. A game-changing idea of a wetsuit. And at 8.15, we're going to talk to this concept even changing more, making it with green material, limestone and bamboo, XL wetsuits. But let's listen to Jack O'Neill being surprised at his success. Number five. I don't think there's anybody more surprised than I am. I remember one of the guys on the beach. He says, O'Neill, you're going to sell the five guys on the beach, then you're going to be out of business. <laughs> and here's my favorite part. Just like Jerry Harvey an all shucks kind of guy feeling that he's so fortunate 
to have been in the right place at the right time in trial and error. Same thing for Jack O'Neill. It's why we got to love this man. Number six. I thought when I started that I was going to have a surf shop, a few friends to surf with, and enough to get, hopefully enough to get by on. But uh, it's just <clears throat> got in at the right time. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. What a pleasure to know that people, simple people, Jack O'Neill, Jerry Harvey, can actually change the world. It's what allows you to get up in the morning. Guess what? Today you may come across the greatest thing. Maybe you'll come up with a karaoke microphone to put in the glove compartment of your car so you can sing along with the radio that's in your car. There you go. There's a billion-dollar idea for those of you listening. Let's do some calls. We'll open up the clinic. I think I'll take a break. Uh, the number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. Roberto Claperio, a fish tacologist. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I know the ins and outs of a fish taco. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Great to hear Kobe's voice. And that's Van Halen running with the devil. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Listen, when I hear that ad that sports are back as an orthopedic surgeon, you know what I hear? Injuries are back. Because don't forget, whether you're a real athlete, professional athlete, or a weekend warrior, you play sports, you're going to get injured. You're either pre-op or post-op. Don't forget that. I also want to give a big shout-out to my buddy Brian Croft at Cedars for really uh, allowing that hospital to run and that I can work there and do this show. It's all a beautiful thing. So shout-out to Brian Croft. I love you like a brother. All right, Warriors, let's take some calls. Uh, the number is 877-710-ESPN. And don't forget, you know how much I love ice cream. This week, I discovered... Something better than ice cream, better than frozen yogurt. It's frozen custard. And there's a place in L.A. you can get to for it. It's called Rita's, and it's on Sepulveda and Pico. And two of my friends own this place, and I went there this week and had the greatest frozen custard with pieces of Oreo cookies chopped up, put into it. We're going to have them on as guests in a couple of weeks because we need to learn more about frozen custard. But you can visit them at Rita's. All right, let's take some calls. Let's go to Bruce. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hey, Dr. Clapper, thanks for taking my call. Actually, my pleasure. you've got a lot in common. What is, what is that? What do you do for a living? I'm a special ed teacher. Oh, God bless you. Listen, you're at and the top I, of the li- I'm you're also- at the top of the list of what you can do with your life and see God every single day. I see God in the ocean and I see him in in the operating room, but you get to see him every day. What was it uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel used to say, if you want to see God, you'll see it in the interaction of people. 
how amazing it is to be a teacher teaching children in special ed with special needs. Man, you're my hero. I don't want Michael Jordan's autograph. I want your autograph, Bruce. How can I help you? Well, bless your heart. I'm also a volunteer teacher on Skid Row and a scuba diver So and an inventor. I've got three patents. Listen, oh. I have some knee problems, and I would do anything to get an appointment with you. Well, uh, you're, it's your lucky day. You're going to call my office and you're going to tell them on Monday that I spoke to you on the radio and they will make you a time this week, next week, whenever you want. It typically is, takes a long time. But, Bruce, you're going to be I'm going to meet you in person this week if you want it. I want it. OK. How old are you? I'm 73. And my you, dad's a plumber. You usually ask your your listeners <laughs> what their dad did. That's my right. My dad's a plumber, and he's one of the greatest generations. He fought against the, the uh, Japanese in the theater, in the Pacific Theater. So as a kid, I was, you know, schlepping the tools for my dad on the weekend because I was in school during the week and he was working during the week. So my chance to be with my father... Thanks for bringing up this memory. I was with my dad uh, doing some carpentry in some house in the middle of nowhere in New York. And I left him. He was upstairs doing remodeling the kitchen. And I wound up in the basement of this old dilapidated house that he was fixing up. And the plumber was there. This big, strong guy who was throwing over his shoulder these big cast iron pipes for the sewer line. And I go down these wooden steps, and I can just hear them creaking right now as I'm walking down the steps. How I didn't fall down on those steps and crack my head open, I don't know. But I go down to the basement because there was a guy there, and it was the plumber. And you know what he was doing, Bruce? He was boiling lead. He was heating up lead to melt it. Why? Because those cast iron pipes, the seal between those pipes was pouring in molten lead that he's, God knows how toxic this was, in a basement with no windows. I'm breathing this stuff in. It was unbelievable. And he he tells me something that I have never forgot to this day, and I don't even know if it's true, so I'm going to ask you if this is true. He said, young fella, stay away from this molten lead because if something falls out of your pocket right now, molten lead has the ability to go exactly back, fly out of the out of the bowl of this molten lead. You can imagine how hot it was. It'll fly back in the direction that whatever entered it came from. So if something falls out of your pocket, it's going to go back at you at the same angle. I'm like going, how do I, like, to this day, I don't even know if it's true, but that visual of being in the basement with this plumber boiling lead, and that's how your dad, by the way, had to seal cast iron pipes. Now they use PVC pipes. They don't have to deal with this stuff, thank God. I I used to go with my father in the Michigan winters on Saturday mornings. <laughs> and that prompted me. I said, I never want to do this. And we <laughs> I used to watch him, and he had this big heater thing, like a propane, and he'd melt the lead. Hey, doctor, can I have the phone number for your office so I can really talk to a human? Yes. You're going to go on uh, the computer, look up Cedar sinai look up my name, 
and my office phone number will be there. It's very easy. It's Clapper with a K. Okay. Don't forget that. No, I, I won't. So tell me a little um, bit about your listening. knee. What happened to you? You just getting old? Is that what it is? Well, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm very athletic, and uh, I used to be a runner. And mm, that's why. so I've, I've had um, the meniscus, and I, until I heard you, I was scheduled to get some injections. That's, that's right. You I listen don't let them you. stick any needles in your knee. Doing that. No cortisone, no needles, no stem cells, no synvis. Be holistic. Did you get the book that I wrote? I'm I've got it written down and I'm it's on my list. Um things are just Heal your knees. To open up. Heal your knees. Yeah. You're gonna I'll teach you how to how to avoid surgery, but if God forbid you need it. You go on the website, my website, you'll see a lady riding her bicycle the day after I did a knee replacement on her because of a technique called minimally invasive where you don't cut the muscles. It'll blow your mind. Don't let them give you shots. Read the book. And I look forward to meeting you, a special ed teacher whose father was a plumber. I can't wait to meet you, Bruce. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks, doctor. I, I love it. Okay. All right, young man. Good to talk to you. All right, let's take squeeze in one more call. Up to you, Rebecca. Let's go to Jeff. Jeff, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hey, Jeff. I mean, Dr. Clapper, this is Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. How old are you? What do you do for a living? I'm 53 years old. I'm a lifetime surfer. And I left academia 20 years ago to become a yoga teacher. God bless you. Where did you grow up? I grew up down in Orange County. Surfing the beaches down in Newport. So what kind of surfboards you got? You got any old ones from the 60s? I wish I did. No, I don't. I, um, if, you ever I came to my, if you ever came to my office and you walk in the door, the first thing you're going to see is a Mickey Dora Greg Knoll black cat hanging on Ooh. the wall. The second board Ooh. you're going to see is a Hap Jacobs 422 hanging on the wall that he made just for me. And Greg Knoll's been a patient of mine. You're going to see history in surfing. You walk into my office. Wow. That's art and, right there. And I had the pleasure of taking care of Bruce Brown and becoming very good friends with him uh, after he hurt his shoulder and I took care of him. Uh, yeah, so I heard the surfing story on the show. Surfing is, uh, how do you like hearing about Jack O'Neill, a man who oh. changed the game for all of us? And no wait till 8.15. You got to listen. You got to get yourself an XL wetsuit. This is the most incredible wetsuit, and I wore it for the first time last Sunday. What did you hurt? What can I do for you? Well, Dr. Clapper, I've, I've had an issue with gout in the last uh, 10 years. Like, I would yeah. have a yearly episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, due to COVID, I haven't been able to get into the yoga studio and practice. And um, my routines have kind of shifted. And I have a, an episode that's lasted about seven or eight days now. Normally, mm. I'm able to knock it down with a couple of days of ibuprofen, and I'm back on my feet. Uh, but this so I'm going to give you some advice. Let me give you some some advice, and I so much appreciate you being a weekend warrior and listening to the show. This is a this is an example. I mean, what is my hobby? Surfing, which is as old as the Polynesians, and my other hobby is sculpting in marble, literally taking a hammer yeah. and a chisel and working on stone. So I love the world that came before us, if you will, because you can learn a lot from that. And that's exactly the case for gout. Yes, obviously modifying your diet, 
Those are important things for you to do to recognize that you don't possess an enzyme that the rest of us have. So when you eat smelly cheese and drink red wine, your joints are going to blow up because you don't have the enzyme to break down those chemicals, those amino acids. And that's what gout is. So the oldest, one of the oldest anti-inflammatories, it's not Advil, it's not Motrin, it's not Aleve. It's called Indocin. I-N-D-O-C-I-N. And don't get the generic. Get the real okay. one. You'll need to get okay. a prescription from your internist, uh, Indocin. Okay. And they'll make a face. They'll go, how the hell did you hear about that drug? That's old. <laughs> we don't use that anymore. Blah, 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 blah. Because, you know, everybody wants a pill you can take once a day or twice right. a day. You got to take Indocin three times a day after each meal. And what you do is you take three tablets all at once, just to get your blood levels up. Then you okay. do one after breakfast, after lunch, after dinner for a few days. Indocin is the greatest anti-inflammatory. 31 years I've been an orthopedic surgeon. I've taken care of lots of people with gout. I love this. And I hate drugs. This, this is, is where I love drugs. This is the best thing for you to get on. It'll be better than your cockamamie ibuprofen that you're taking. You want to take it <laughs> well, with no, food. No, they got me on prednisone now. Oh, my God. You you missed the boat because prednisone's got big-time side effects. You get on Indocin. You call your doctor on Monday, and you'll shock him. He'll go, I, I never heard of that drug. You tell him, Dr. Clapper told me about it. Get me some Indocin. <laughs> uh, and thanks so much young... for calling, young man. I appreciate it. You'll get you, Dr. better. Clapper. This is All a right. game God changer. Bless you. Thanks so much. Listen, you too. I want you to t- find a total stranger today, Jeff, and do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. And God bless. Appreciate that. All right, we'll take a break. We'll pay some bills. We'll come back. Man, we'll keep taking calls. I'm having fun. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior show presented by Cedar sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior show with Dr. Clapper. The Wafogato. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's Panama from Van Halen. Van Halen. Alex Van Halen. The reason the world got changed in music. Inner ear monitors. In-ear monitors were developed and invented by Jerry Harvey. So that they could play those songs and not go deaf. Before I take the calls, the lines are all lit up and I appreciate it immensely. I want to just take you through a clapper vision that will really help you. You've heard in your shoulders, you rip something called the rotator cuff, but now you can't lift your arm up anymore. Well, a patient I did surgery on this week, I fixed with a game-changing idea. And here's the game-changing idea, the clapper vision. Clapper vision. Let's say you decide you want to pitch a tent in your backyard, right? It's a big sheet of canvas fabric material. You got a stick that elevates the, the, the canvas off the ground. And you then have to, at the corners of the tent, which has a string, put it through a stick and hit the stick into the dirt so that you can keep 
the material, the fabric, beautifully covering the dirt that you want to now go sit on, but being covered from the rain and from the wind. That's a tent. Well, the clapper vision is your arm, the humeral head, the ball and socket joint of your shoulder. The dirt is the bone and the joint. The fabric of the tent covering it is the rotator cuff. Let's pretend the Santa Ana winds came so strong, the winds, and it ripped the post, the stick that's in the dirt, right out of the ground. So now the tent is flopping in the wind in your backyard. Well, you're going to now take a hammer, grab that stick that's flopping in the wind, and drive it back into the dirt to keep the tent, that fabric, covering the ground, covering the dirt. A rotator cuff tear is the tent, the tendon, the muscle, ripped right out of the bone and is now flopping in the wind just like that tent. That's a torn rotator cuff. Traditionally, we would grab the tent and bang it back into the bone, back into the dirt, but it would pull out again. Now I want you, here's a clap provision. Instead of having that stick that you bang into the ground, what if the stick was actually an, a, a collapsed umbrella? Not an umbrella that you opened up, but actually a collapsed umbrella that you wrapped a rope around and you drove the umbrella into the ground. Only once the umbrella was in the ground, you pressed the button to open up the umbrella it now becomes wider as an umbrella open versus when it was closed. So it can engage and get stuck in the dirt itself. You follow me? That's what I was able to use to fix a rotator cuff this week. I didn't just drill a hole in the bone and put a stick in the bone, pulling the tent, pulling the rotator cuff back to cover the bone, back to cover the dirt. I used a device that opens up like an umbrella and grabs the dirt, grabs the bone, and firmly keeps the rotator cuff exactly where I put it back on the bone. What a game changer. The whole idea of push locks and swivel locks. And we have to thank an orthopedic surgeon who lives amongst us in Los Angeles, my good friend, Dr. Neil Elitrosh, because he's a game changer. He invented that device. And every time I use one, I think of him and I look at this seal, just like the ball players. They tap their chest and they point to the sky because their grandma's in heaven. Thank God Neil Elitrosh is still alive. But I bang my chest and I look at the ceiling and I go, thank you, Dr. Elitrosh. That's a game-changing idea. And that's the topic for today. I've got about four minutes left, so I think i got time to take a call. Let's go to Alan. Let's talk about your shoulder. You're on the Weekend Warriors show with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, Dr. Clapper. How are you? I'm great. What do you do for a living, and how old are you, Alan? I am 60. I teach over at a local university, child psychology. Oh, God bless you. That's it. Nursing is number two of all the great things you can do with your life. But number one, in my view, is being a teacher. So God bless you for doing that. Appreciate it. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to high school? 
I'm a West L.A. guy, Venice High School. I'm actually back in my old house. I uh, am renting from my parents right now, so enjoying it. Venice High School, the gondoliers. <laughs> you got it. Very good. I don't know what a gondolier is, but, yeah, that's who we were. Yeah, no, you got to go to Venice, Italy. You got to watch those guys on the gondola. <laughs> Very true. All right, how can I help you? What's up? So I was trying to stay in shape during the pandemic and was doing 100 push-ups a day, and it, I think I've been rewarded with something they call a frozen shoulder. I had a uh, had my MD, and also I should I maybe shouldn't say this, but the C word, a chiropractor, both agree that might be it. So I love chiropractors. You don't have to apologize for seeing a chiropractor. You know, gotcha. we're we're taught as orthopedic surgeons, you're supposed to hate everybody. You're supposed to hate uh, chiropractors. No, I have warm memories of a chiropractor helping my dad cure his uh, lower back problem. And even though I'm an orthopedic surgeon and I have no idea what he did, I thank them every single day because you, you're in the hands of a good chiropractor. Things will be great. I I try to avoid surgery. And if you can make it go away with a chiropractor, then you know, I'm hats off to you. So how can I help? Sounds good. So you have a frozen well, shoulder. You're not a diabetic though, right? No, I am not. Because so diabetics, issues, yeah. when they get a frozen shoulder, it's trouble because they're very high recurrence rate. And basically a frozen shoulder, the fancy word is called adhesive capsulitis because the, the pouch, the capsule that allows the most beautiful joint in our body, the shoulder, have the most range of motion of any joint in our body, all of a sudden that laxity that allows you to have that mo uh, movement starts to shrink and seize up. So what do you do? You always want to try physical therapy. You could try the chiropractor as well. But in my opinion, you need to get to the root of the problem, which is a bursitis due to a bone spur causing inflammation, making your shoulder hurt, Therefore, you don't move it, and you get this vicious cycle of it hurts to move it, so I won't move it. Now it's stiff, so trying to move it hurts, and you go like a dog chasing its tail. So question number one, have you had an MRI? Not yet. You need an MRI. And I'm okay. going to tell you, if you listen to the show, do not let anybody stick a needle, no cortisone, no synvis, no stem cell, no cockamamie needles into your shoulder. You're going to get an MRI, and then you're going to do me a favor. Next Saturday, you're going to call 730. You'll be the first one I talk to, and I will go over the MRI result with you. You'll read me the impression, and I'll explain what's going on inside your shoulder with some clapper vision. How's that? Give it a shot. One quick question, though. I am having trouble sleeping. Like in the middle of the night, I will move it, and then, excuse me, and then, uh, yeah, I'll get that nice, sharp pain. It wakes me up. Is there anything I can do in the short run? I've been doing yes. anything. I've been doing you can, ibuprofen. You can, yeah. yeah. You know, a great anti-inflammatory is the marijuana cream, CBD cream. You can ah, try that. If gotcha. that's not helpful, there's another cream that I like called Voltaren cream, which you can yep. actually buy over the counter now. Smear yep. some of that stuff on there. But the bottom line is, is it's tough because, again, treating the symptom don't give me Robitussin if I'm coughing. If I'm coughing because of pneumonia, I need antibiotics to stop coughing, not Robitussin. So you and I have to figure out how to get you better by getting rid of the problem first. But that would be my temporary uh, suggestions in the meantime. The other thing is take the cushions off your couch, put them in bed, sitting up much more comfortable than lying flat. Gotcha. All right, young man. I'll talk to you next week once you get thanks, that MRI. And thanks, thanks somebody. Sir. Listen, I just help you, Jeff. I want you to find a total stranger today, or Alan, 
Find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. And God bless. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. Coming up next, I'm going to tell some stories about two men, game changers, changed the world of art and music, changed the world of sports. And I'll talk about changing the world of surgery. That's what today's topic is on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN.